salutations, my friends. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noisera, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer. And I have entitled this episode, Envisioning the Future, Distorting Childhood, and Earthly Anomalies. Well, with a title like that, I'm sure you're wondering why. But we mix things up by getting into renewable farming, uh, inventions that are actually helping space, pulling energy from space, and so much more, helping the human race. We start the episode off by talking about that, and then we switch things up by getting into the transgender agenda that's afflicting our entire next generation, that's afflicting the children, how they're scrambling their brains, instead of having them focus on things like, uh, you know, STEM, what I call STEAM in this episode, uh, science, technology, engineering, art, and even mathematics. We talk about that and more in the second edition, and then we finish it off by talking about uh, these people that have gone missing on their way to Antarctica, this uh, uh, volcanic eruption that happened in New Zealand, and so much more. A jam-packed information episode, that's for sure. You also hear me address my little leadership controversy that I'm going through and more. A few quick updates before we start the show. We have one more episode and then season nine is done. I thought you guys should know, so go ahead and download them. I have a special treat and surprise for you guys next episode, so you can kind of get like a smorgasbord of everything. But keep that in mind, season nine is coming to an end and we are restructuring a lot of different things. If you want access to this and more, think about becoming a Patreon exclusive member. We're also going to be reforming that as well. Uh, And with that being said, let's start the show. Salutations, my friends. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noisera, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer. And this is show number 922, season 9, episode 22. You know, what's crazy is uh, time. Period. Uh, we're getting to the end of the year. Uh, we're getting to Christmas. We're getting to New Year's. And then 2020 is going to be right there. And then we're going to have a whole lot of other things to answer to. This whole year, uh, I, I feel like for everybody, has been one that has strengthened them. It's refined us. It's changed us in a completely different way. You know, that, that knowing things and then living things uh, could only do. I think a lot of people have grown in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I don't want to waste too much of your guys' time, and that's kind of why I want to address a few things. You know, for the past few episodes, you guys have kind of seen me not necessarily have, like, an identity crisis or an existential crisis, but you've kind of seen me have, like, a, a schism. You know, you, you see me be, like, honest with myself, the burden of doing this type of work, you know, how, how, how deep it really is, where where all this goes, the implications of all this type of stuff, being like a one-man army, you know, doing all of the different things that I do. And it does kind of, it does it, it does burn you out. It does work you up. It does kind of fire you up. I'm not going to lie. I think that's why I speak a lot about emotional control is because we are all over the place with what we have to do. But that's a different discussion for a different day. What I want to address you know, basically is this, 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 this crisis of leadership that you guys kind of see me experiencing right now. I think the only way to kind of uh, go ahead and get around it is say, like, I was born for this time period. There were, like, what else is there for me to go do? Truly. What else is there really for us to do? Right now, we have such an opportune time for change, 
such an opportune moment to impact and influence so many different people's lives, it would it, it, it would be selfish of me to leave. And while I can tell you guys this, understanding and internalizing it are two totally different things. But the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having this transparent, vulnerable moment with you guys is so that you understand I'm real. I'm honest. I'm one person. This is why you guys see me kind of flounder at some time. Some of the shows are good. Some of them are, are total bomb fails. Uh, some of the interviews are on point. Some of the other ones, they're lackadaisical. They could be better. But this is because I'm a person and I'm doing the best I can with the time that we do have. It's the end of the year, the end of 2019. whole lot has already happened. And, you know, while I know this isn't like a personal blog or anything like that, I do think it's imperative that people understand this stuff does weigh on you, putting it together. But that's not what you need to hear. And I think that's uh, what I'm really trying to get around to saying. You don't need to hear about how it weighs on you. Oh, boo-hoo. Feel bad for, for EJ. No. You don't need to hear about that. What you need to hear about... It's how this empowers you, how it drives you, how it sculpts you and, and molds you. It, it, it changes you into a better person. It animates you. It enriches you. It is only the flesh and the ego, the selfish part of you that says, oh, this is bad. This sucks. Uh, oh, uh, don't let this happen to me. Yes, let these things happen to you. Be forged into who you need to be. That's what I was going to talk about before at the start of this. You know, people have to face a certain level of adversity, and they have to get over themselves, too, to really reap the rewards. And I think another thing, too, uh, that I kind of want to just say, and then I'll, 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 I'll start, in, start with the show. You know, earlier this year, when I did the four-part, eight-hour series with Adam Nix and J.C. Abbott of the Wayfinder podcast, you guys could see and hear me say, I don't really necessarily know my worth. But don't. I had to learn it. And this is what I'm trying to teach you guys, what I've learned. But I didn't necessarily know my worth. I was just, as you, heard, as you hear me always say, shouting into the cyberspace, in, endlessly posting content, you know, not necessarily sure who it's influencing. But that's the problem, is I know I am influencing people. And while I'm trying to do all these things for the masses, I find myself even more so being withdrawn, wanting to do more things for a smaller group of people. And letting the masses watch, I think, is the better way to describe it. And that's going to happen in season 10. I'm having to really, you know, work my noodle of a brain into a different way to start thinking about how to bring you guys better content at the same time, know my worth, and still diversify what we're doing. The world that we're moving into, it requires a completely different approach. I mean, I'll put it to you this way. Would you work at the same job? For four to five years, if it wasn't changing and you didn't really see a whole lot of upward mobility, the idea is to improve. I'm always talking about the pro-human renaissance-based future. Well, what does that look like for the individual? Can they recognize whenever it's time for them to change? Or do we live in the slavery of the mundane, the slavery of change, the slavery of the monotony, the slavery of just doing things repetitively time and time again? And like Einstein said, is that not the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And while we've had amazing results already, I'm actually, and I think, <laughs> I think this is the better way to put it to you guys, I think while we've already had amazing results, I think personally I am nervous to take even bigger steps. I gotta get deep, I gotta get more in front of the camera. 
I got to get more out there in public. You know, I got to start building an even bigger network, a community, not a network. I already have that, a community of people that we can rely on. And I think that's what makes me nervous. And so that's why I say this crisis of leadership. This isn't something that I had intended to do. I think I became this. This is what you, the audience, required of me and what I became. That's why we have this weird symbiotic relationship. It's like a love-hate relationship sometimes with us. You, you, you know, we love, love what we're doing, but hate what we're doing at the same time and hate how we're saying it. But that's a part of the process because I am one person, as are you. And if there's anything you guys can ever grasp from what I'm doing is just that fact that I am one person trying to help as many people as I can. And with that being said, let's start the show. So we're going to switch stuff up. I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to be kind of like an anomalous episode. We're going to switch stuff up. And I say that because I've been talking about how we need to approach things differently. The world that we're building and the world that we're living in, it requires a different approach. And with that being said, we need to approach things differently with our show. We have a trove of content. Yeah, we're over here focusing on some of these negative things. I think we're socially conditioned to focus on the negative. And unfortunately, people like negative negativity, even though they say we, we, we fear monger. Sometimes I think people appreciate and like these doses of reality. But with that being said, the dose of reality that I have before you guys today is of a different variety. It's of something that brings a little bit of, a, a little bit of levity you know, to what's going on. I think we always talk about how many other things uh, are going on. The New World Order, the New World Order, the technocracy, the scientific dictatorship, and so much more. But I want to start this section off, like I said, with relatively good news. I want people to kind of take a look at the world that, like I said, we are creating. Uh, let me just fire through some of these topics that we're going to be covering with you guys in this segment, Envisioning the Future, Renewable Farming. A 26-year-old a Nigerian inventor that creates a smoke the stove that generates electricity. Farmers turning food waste into electricity, making enough to power cities, creating a, a tents that collect rainwater and store solar, solar energy. Activists feeding the homeless with AR-15s. I think that's pretty awesome. <laughs> as well as the Space Force saying that it can get you anywhere using the energy of space. What I'm trying to say by envisioning the future is taking a look at some of the, part, some of the articles and the posts that we have put up and saying, what does the future look like? We focus so uh, prominently on the negative aspects, it's very hard for us to switch up and look at the good. And so I want to play for you guys a quick video of that renewable farming. But before doing so, I'll read this article. It comes from the good folks over there at the Free Thought Project. They put this up December 11th, 2019. It says, farmers are turning food waste into electricity and making enough to power entire cities. It says nothing highlights the radically disparity the radically disparity between different parts of the globe more than food. As children and adults starve to death at a rate of twenty five thousand a day across the world, the United States throws enough money or throws enough food away to fill the Willis Tower in Chicago in Chicago forty four times a year. Across the entire planet, it is estimated that humans waste over one point three billion tons of food every year. Industrial farming covers over 
covers hundreds of millions of acres across the country, which is destroying and polluting ecosystems to produce food that gets thrown away. What's more, when this food sits in landfills, it produces greenhouse gas that is in the form of methane. According to the climate experts at the United Nations, it is estimated that 10 to 18 percent of all human-made greenhouse gas comes from food waste. Thanks to the innovation in the tree market, however, some intuitive scientists have figured out how to turn that wasted food and greenhouse gas into energy. A company called Vanguard Renewables has created a process to turn dairy and food waste into energy, reducing greenhouse gas emissions by more than 85%. This is renewable farming. This is the type of stuff that I feel like we should start talking more about. Uh, The same way that we talk about, uh, uh, what is it? Regenerative agriculture, where you create like a plot of land that just keeps, you know, making more and more bountiful forms of food. Uh, These are the parts of sustainable development and green energy that I'm actually behind. Continuing on, it says Catherine Franzik, who is the sustainability program for Whole Foods' North Atlantic region, sat down with NPR recently to explain how they are using Vanguard Renewables in their stores. Their location in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, has recently installed a grind to energy system. And so then it goes on to talk more and more about it. Uh, But what I want to do for you guys, for the sake of time, is play for you guys this clip from CBS uh, NewsHour, where they actually have some of these farmers talking about the world that they're living in and what's so cool about it. Like I said, I wanted to mix things up, get some good news in for a change. So let's get that clip up for you, ladies and gentlemen. In the final episode of our special series this week on food waste, we look at some innovative solutions being developed to deal with the growing problem of spoiled and surplus food in this country. Special correspondent Allison Aubrey visited a state where dairy farmers are using it to power their farms and more. It's burger night at Barstow's Dairy and Bakery at Longview Farm in Hadley, Massachusetts, and the Pioneer Valley String Band has drawn a crowd. As advertised, the burgers are born and raised here. But the cows on this farm produce more than just meat. Our cows are producing about 100 pounds of cow manure per cow per day, and we're treating it through this system and getting electricity. It's renewable energy that's coming right here from the farm. The system that seventh-generation farmer Denise Barstow is talking about is an anaerobic digester. Those green towers are part of it. She's one of a handful of dairy farmers in Massachusetts using the technology. Just down the road, dairy farmer Peter Melnick is using it too. We are taking food waste from all over the uh, greater Boston area in our very own cow manure. We mix them together uh, in the digester vessel and make electricity. This land has been in Melnick's family for four generations, but times are tough for dairy farmers, so Melnick has diversified. His land is now part farm and part renewable energy plant. The process starts here. This is the manure pit, as we like to call it. But he needs more than manure. The trick to making this waste-to-energy system profitable is volume, and Melnick has found an abundant source. Millions of pounds each year of surplus and spoiled food that would otherwise be destined for a landfill now arrives at his farm in trucks like this. The food scraps are ground up into a liquid slurry that gets pumped into this pit. The more you add, the more electricity you can make. 
The waste comes from all over. There's unsold produce from Whole Foods, scraps away from a cabin butter plant, and spent grain from a local brewery. Inside the digester, it's about a, almost a million gallon tank. It's heated to 105 degrees. And inside there are tiny microbes. Microbes from these cows' digestive tracts and the rotting food produce methane, which is usually released into the atmosphere, playing a role in climate change. But here, when the gas is captured, it's stored in these big black bubbles, and Melnick can actually generate power from it. We produce a megawatt of electricity every hour. How much is that? Wow. A megawatt is enough to power the digester and the dairy farm, our houses and outbuildings at here, and we still have 90% of our electricity to be able to put back on the grid. And the other 90%? It powers some of the businesses that send their waste to the digesters. It also powers two local towns. They're able to purchase the electricity at a 10 to 15% discount. So what if... Wow. So I feel like that's a good way to kind of look at the renewable energy, renewable technology. Uh, you can even say Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030, sustainable development. That's the kind of stuff to where you're looking at, okay, all these different problems, you know, the food waste, uh, what are we going to do with excrement, human waste, all these different things, and how can we at the same time have a, you know, synergistic benefit, something that helps me as as the individual, but also helps the town, and that's profitable. That's commendable on so many levels and i think that's the type of stuff that we need to see uh into the future because this is believe it or not b uh, believe it or not <laughs> and you won't hear alexandria ocasio cortez talking about that type of stuff with her green new deal i think that's the crazier part we've talked about people who literally have dehumidifiers that pull water from this from from the the surrounding area and then turn it into clean water and filter it for people. We just played for you guys, you know, a farm right there that's able to create energy for the for surrounding area. You're not going to hear Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talk about these genius people. Remember, we've talked about that little eight-year-old girl, uh, Zacato, Guadalupe, I forget what her last name is, you know, but the eight-year-old little girl that found, that created a solar water heater, you know, you're not going to hear all these people, these politicians, talk about these great ideas that are beneficial for humanity and can have widespread usage. Instead, they're going to figure out a way to try to nickel and dime you and get it out of you. And that's what's dangerous. Uh, but uh, here's something that we always see so frequently and never also gets a spotlight right here. Check this out. We put this up over here on Liberation Legion. It comes from uh, Natural Blades is by John Vibes. They put this up November 10th. It says 26-year-old Nigerian inventor creates smokeless stove that generates electricity. It says 26-year-old Nigerian inventor Max Jenna has developed a smokeless stove that can charge cell phones while it cooks. Jenna says that he plans to send 1,000 of those stoves to farmers in rural, Kenyan, uh, in rural Kenya who have limited access to electricity. Chinoff formed a company called Terra Oak with his business partner, Atga, and has hopes to step up production to, re to distribute the devices globally. He came up with the idea when thinking of different ways that he could improve the world with an invention. And this was one of the best ideas he could come up with. Quote, I didn't really think that I didn't really want to just create an app that didn't, had, that didn't add value. So I started to think about the things that, I, that are really important to me 
and I've always been intrigued by the issue of climate change and how we can push back against that and leave a better world for our grandkids, Chinna said. The smokeless stove idea was on his mind because his grandmother died from complications related to breathing air pol- to breathing air polluted by cooked stoves over many years. This is actually a very common problem in many parts of the world who fear their houses who fill their houses with smoke and fumes all day in the process of cooking their meals. Quote, for us, you know, we've lived through this. It's a very real and very personal to us. So that's the number one. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to convince anyone with any sense that we need to do something about climate change. If you get out of the if you get out of your bubble, you can see the effects of climate change in our world, he said. The stove won a $10,000 innovation prize at Yale University's Global Health Innovation Conference in 2016, which allowed the company to further develop their, their invention. They also received seed funding from a local philanthropic organization called Red Cedar, which was formed to invest in startups and entrepreneurs that show potential but lack the resources to make their vision a reality. The company is also planning to launch a Kickstarter campaign for the item in the coming months. And again... These are the type of things that I think people need to see. It inspires a certain level of hope. And ironically enough, all this stuff ends up getting tied into climate change. Uh, you know, just, just because we're talking about Yale and what's going on with climate change and how air pollution does hurt, this is another thing that we have over here on Liberation Legion. They put this up November 20th by John Vibes of Truth Theory. It says the Yale study shows air pollution causes a huge reduction in intelligence. We've talked about this before a few times, uh, how the smog in certain cities, how it literally does lower IQ points. And if you think about it, why wouldn't it? These are people who are unable to basically get oxygen to the brain. Uh, a, lot of their body is, a lot of their body and their energy and their time is spent fighting the sickness that they're surrounded by. You know, uh, And I have this kind of weird theory as far as time travelers that come back and smoke cigarettes. They have to because the world in the future is so polluted, or at least theirs is. This is why we're trying to create different things in this timeline to fight climate change, to fight air pollution, uh, because it does hurt. And people don't think about these things, but again, this is, this is climate change. This is greenhouse gas emission. This is industrialization. This is poison. Uh, these are the chemtrails and so much more. I'll say this before I get into the article. I, uh, I, I said on Fellowship and Freedom this past Sunday that climate change is a direct relation. It's a, it is a direct byproduct of chemtrails, of stratospheric aerosol injection, of geoengineering, of weather modification. Climate change is a direct problem, a byproduct of all these things. They've been messing with the weather for, for, for uh, 200 plus years, well, 100 plus years. I'll say 150 plus years, give or take. Uh, 200 is, is a little bit out there, but you get what I'm saying. Let me get into this article. It says, research conducted in China by scientists from the Yale School of Public Health in the United States has shown that air pollution causes a huge reduction in intelligence. While the research did take place in China, which is known to have a very, a very serious pollution problems, the researchers suggest that, the, that 95% of the global population is breathing unsafe air at levels that would cause a significant reduction in intelligence. Data collected in the study, which was published in the journal Proceedings of National Academy in Sciences, showed that the high pollution levels were correlated with lower test scores in language and math. It was estimated that this reduction in intelligence had a similar impact as losing a year of education. Well, uh, i got to pause right there. You know I do. Because just the other day, we talked about how Americans, just last week, we talked about how Americans are four grade levels behind in math just due to Common Core, not air pollution. They said that even some of the uh, lower-end children, 
in China. Some of the kids that weren't really participating and kind of had bad grades did even better than some of the well-graded children here in America. And ironically enough, we've talked about how uh, people that live in areas close to uh, pesticide sprayed areas, you know, farms, industrial farms, industrial crop like areas, places like that. We've talked about how pesticides also play a huge part in lowering IQs, uh, giving people developmental diseases. Uh, like I said, you know, lowering IQs, neurological problems, and so many different things, depression, anxiety, and so much more. And so, what I'm trying to say about laying out this buffet or this cocktail of chemicals is showing you guys that. Not only is climate change real, but the poisoning and the weaponization of the environment is also very real, which is why I would recommend that people get uh, system detoxes. And in the future, we will figure out a way to put, to put an episode together or get future guests on to talk about different ways uh, uh, to, to, to fight this, to do, do, to, to do detoxes, to, to, as Carolina Rocha of Sunlight Nutrition says, find the materials to build a better body. Let me get back into this article. It says, Zai Chen, which is one of the scientists involved with the study, said that there are a variety of different factors that determine how much a person's mental capacity gets diminished by pollution. Quote, polluted air can cause everyone to reduce their level of education by one year, which is huge. But we know the effect is worse for the elderly, especially those over 64, and for men and for those with low education. If we calculate the loss for those, it may be a few years of education, Chen said. Quote, that is the same wherever you live. As human beings, we have more in common than is different, Chin added. The researchers collected data on 20,000 people from the, from the China family panel studies and compared test scores with the records of nitro, nitrogen oxide and sulfur dioxide pollution in particular regions. The data suggested that people who were exposed to polluted air had lower test scores. Derek Ho, a researcher from the Hong Kong Polytechnic University, the guys that were over there shooting arrows at the cops <laughs> in the future. This, this is back in November, but uh, continuing on. It says, Derek Ho, a researcher from the Hong Kong Polytechnic University, said that the school had similar results when they, used, researched, when they researched the same problem. Quote, it is because of high air pollution can, be potentially, can potentially be associated with oxidative stress, neuroinflammation, and neurodegeneration of humans. So people that live near all these other toxic areas, you know, they're, they're suffering. Uh, but this is, again, why we have to pay attention to these types of things. You know, before I got distracted talking about uh, <laughs> the pollution in the air and why it's important that people get, you know, air purifiers, why they go get them some nature, why they, why they get out of these cities and more. Uh, what I was trying to talk to you guys about is, you know, this right here, how this woman has invented a tent for refugees that collects rainwaters and stores solar energy. This is from uh, Mayuka Saha, uh, but they reposted it over there at Natural Blaze. They put this up December 3rd. It says, Syria has been reeling under a civil war since 2011, and it has resulted in one of the worst humanitarian crises in the world. The Syrian civil war has nearly 14 million residents of the country, either as international refugees or who have been internally displaced reports the United Nations. And these are the same Syrian refugees uh, since 2011 and more that have been coming to America that are at the border. Continuing on, it says, when an architect realized that long-lasting effects of this apparently never-ending problem, she came up with a unique idea. Refugees seek shelter wherever they go. With such huge numbers of refugees, it is a problem for all communities to provide them with shelter. 
So Abir Sikali, a architect at Jordanian Canadian descent, or an architect of Jordanian Canadian descent, decided to design something to help these refugees of the Civil War. This award-winning architect came up with the idea of, quote, weaving a home. This unique solution has multiple benefits embedded in it. The architect came up with the idea of a tent that would use a high-strength plastic tubing, which has been molded into center waves shaped curves. The tent itself would be, will be able to enclose or expand, depending on weather conditions. The double-layer surface of the tent has the ability to keep cold and harsh winds out, but allows cool air to enter during the winter during the months. It can be easily broken down, too, to facilitate mobility. Not only that, this brilliant architect included many other thoughts in her project, which resulted in these tents being able to collect rainwater, too. Rainwater can be collected from the tent's topmost portion, and it will filter down the side walls and ultimately reach storage pockets. That's pretty neat. Uh, as, as if that wasn't enough already, this unique tent for refugees is also able to store solar heat and transform it into electric energy. This energy can then be stored in batteries specially made for the purpose. First proposed in 2013, this project is still in its development stage or developmental stage. It received the Lexus Design Award in 2013. Once ready, this collapsible tent, with the ability to collect rainwater as well as solar energy, will be a blessing for thousands of refugees, not just in Syria, but around the world. And that's the type of stuff, again, why we need to see these types of things. Good news. The developments with climate change, looking at the world at large, you know, it's like when you see some of these commercials uh, where people have like four different cars and, you know, basically mansions for houses. It's like, this, this isn't relevant to me. These types of things are relevant to you. These are the types of things that we need to see uh, to inspire hope, to inspire change. It's not all doom and gloom. There's a lot of falling away. There's a lot falling down, no doubt. But this is the socioeconomic reformation. This is the Green Agenda. This is the Green New Deal. This is what happens when, as the, as the, suge or, or, or the segment suggests, envisioning the future. What happens when you have millions and thousands of different people that have been displaced? Do they have the proper resources that are, that are necessary? You know, are we really trying to help them? Have they been reintegrated? Or are we just treating them like, you know, bums, second-class citizens, unworthy of respect, unworthy of dignification? Speaking of being worthy of dignification, this next article I bring up to you guys is the epitome of it. Not only were the good people over there in Dallas City, the good folks over there at no, uh, Don't Comply, not only, not only were they over there trying to help homeless people, but they also carried AR-15s to show that they were serious about handing out food, handing out supplies, getting it back to them. We've talked about the homeless problem over there in Los Angeles, the what's going on over there in Skid Row, uh, and the homeless problem that really is all over America, if you want the truth, but how bad it's becoming. And again, these people, these homeless people, they need refugee tents. We need to figure out what's to do with them. Some people are saying put them to work in internment camps. I feel like that's crazy. I told you guys just the other week, too, that I'm waiting for a story to come out where they're talking about microchipping the homeless in Dallas. You know, very, very serious stuff as well. But we need to figure out what's going on with the homeless the veterans as well. And I, I know this sounds crazy, but it's like you can see the idea is to make us indentured and to make us uh, migrants ourselves, make us foreigners. I guess what I'm really trying to say is how long is it until I'm homeless? I would hope that people have the kindness to do these types of things. Now, is this a stint? 
or is this a, a stunt? Is this a skit? I would hope not. But you have the good folks over there at Don't Comply trying to help out the homeless. I'm going to read you guys this quick article, and I'll play for you guys the, the video. This comes from the good folks over there at the Free Thought Project. They put this up December 9th. It's by Matt Agarist. It says, since feeding the homeless is illegal, activists carry AR-15s to give out food and supplies. Since feeding the homeless in the land of the free has now become a revolutionary act, luckily. However, there are still good people willing to carry that act out. In December 2014, the Dallas City Council enacted Ordinance Number 29595, which makes it illegal to serve food to the homeless without jumping through a status myriad of bureaucratic hoops, including a fee, training classes, and written notices. One should not need to file multiple forms and pay a fee to obtain a permit to give food to those in need who are willingly ready to accept it. The folks that don't comply know this. Over the weekend, the aptly named organization Don't Comply and dozens of volunteers from children to adults alike took to the streets of Dallas to hand out food, sleeping bags, clothes, and tents to the areas less fortunate. At the Free Thought Project, or as the Free Thought Project has, new, has reported on numerous occasions, oftentimes police will swoop in and shut down those who would dare defy the authority of the state and conduct charity without a permit. You know, like they shut down people that end up wanting to have a... <laughs> that end up just wanting to serve lemonade. Yeah. However, most organizations aren't, aren't like Don't Comply. As they took to the streets this weekend, many of the members of the organization open-carried their weapons. This was done not out of an act of intimidation, but merely to assert rights as well as protect them. The resultant heavy, heavily, heavily armed group of do-gooders effectively staved off any attempts by police to shut down the charitable efforts. We spoke with one of the participants who, was also, who also happens to be a good friend of mine, Luis Fernando, Mrs. or Mrs., who explained why the group carries weapons. Quote, when the system makes it illegal to feed people without a license, the unintended consequences are that we become criminals when we feed homeless people in the street, he said. Quote, what we do then is get on an equal playing field with the system and demonstrate that we can still help people and we do it peacefully with guns. Success, and just like that, good people disobeying bad laws while being armed had a positive effect around the world. And as we put that video up literally three days ago, it already has 42,000 views. And so I want to play for you guys this video because I met Luis Fernando. I met some of these great people earlier this year at the, 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 the United, for, uh, United for Common Ground Media Summit in, in Texas. And I'm so proud that they did this. I want to give, give a massive shout out to the Free Thought Project for covering great articles this week as well to highlight the good in humans. I mean, we're getting to the end of the year and we need to start talking about this stuff, having it out there, inspiring some hope. So let me go ahead and get that video up for you guys. This comes from Ford Fisher, who I also had the pleasure of meeting earlier this year as well. Ford Fisher of News to Share. Here you go. Yeah, I'm not a guy named Joseph Fly 
Faith and Aid here in downtown Dallas, across the street from the Austin Street Shelter, uh, where it is illegal to feed homeless people if you don't jump through all the hoops and licenses. And uh, so we come down here well armed because we're not going to let anyone stop us. You know, you're starting to see this pushback in why the Second Amendment was invented. It was to take care of these tyrannical laws out there. And when the government is telling you you can't show compassion and give food to someone who's hungry, that's what the Second Amendment is for. If it's for feeding the homeless. A lot of controversy around this event because of the firearms. Is this uh, a dangerous event? Uh, it's the safest event we'll go to this year uh, because people are armed and it's a. Uh, um, like all of our events, they're, they're all open carry and they're all completely safe and family friendly. What is the reception from uh, Dallas PD? Uh, you know, they, they were a little apprehensive the first few years uh, that they would have station officers down here to, to oversee us and babysit us. And, uh, you know, these last five years, they just drive by, they'll kind of slow down and look and, and wave, and that's about it. Do you want cheese on it? Yes, ma'am. reported on you know events like this before too where you have regular day people who go out of their way to help their community and their their, uh, their society that's what we need to see regular people going out of their way to help uh, I remember reporting on a, uh, I think it was last year somebody that went around during holiday time and just got everybody that was in like a hotel room all kinds of free food she had like meal prepped all kinds of free food and gave it around for people uh, for people that were, were trapped in for like a snowstorm. You know, and I think these random acts of kindness are what more people need to see. And, you know, seeing this inspires hope. You know, you think these people care about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or any of this type of stuff? Yes and no. But at the same time, a, an, an act of kindness like this, that's what needs to go around the world. That's the Christmas spirit. That's the holiday spirit. That's being a good Samaritan and trying to help. And that's what we need to see more of. I agree. Because, you know, speaking of homeless people, speaking of people that have uh, been downtrodden, caught inside of a system, and so much more, that just can't seem to get up. You know, I, kinda, I, I, I add this into the envisioning future, but I'm not necessarily sure it, it, it is a good thing. But, you know, you have people in China that are in internment camps. We talked about it just the other week how you have Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, and all kinds of other people that are in detainment in China. But we have some good news coming out of there. They say that China appears to be ending their Xinjiang concentration camps. And while it's not necessarily ending, it's part of their process of letting them graduate towards freedom. It's part of their, again, re-education camp process. I think that's relatively good news. It shines the light on the fact that these people are running concentration camps that they can be ended, and that there is also a solution of getting out. Uh, there needs to, it, it's, like, it's like creating a dungeon. You're not going to make an exit. Uh, and so, yes, they could, yes, this could be misconstrued as bad news, but I would hope that it's, it, it comes off as relatively good news. 
let's get in this article. We put this up December 9th. It's from Tyler Durden of Zero Hedge. It says, in response to the global outpouring of anger, as well as last week's House bill sanctioning China, Chinese officials, the regional governor of China's infamous Xinjiang region said the people held in, quote, re-education camps have now, quote, graduated and new trainees will have the, will have the freedom to come and go. Reuters reported, uh, commenting on the striking development, Channel News reporter Wei Du said that, quote, under pressure, China appears to be ending concentration camps in Jianjing. Provincial governor says all those in, quote, training camps or training centers have now, quote, graduated in gainful employment. While the West has frequently called the isolated compounds, quote, concentration camps, China has reportedly denied any mistreatment of Uyghurs and says the camps provide vocational and educational training. It describes the detainees as students. The United Nations and human rights groups estimate that between 1 million and 2 million people, mostly ethnic Uyghur Muslims, have been detained in harsh conditions as part of what Beijing calls an anti-terrorism campaign. They're talking about the thought transformation centers. You know, and so they, <laughs> I don't want to spoil this moment, but, you know, what, what they're basically saying is, hey, look, yes, we do have some people in some camps. They're not re-education camps, but we are teaching them vocational skills, and they can get different jobs. Just think about the doublespeak that's going on there. So this is good. This, this is relatively good news. Continuing on, it says, despite conceded, or despite conceding to Western pressure, Governor Shohat Zakir hit out at West criti- Western criticism of the camps and said that the United States had launched a smear campaign against Yang Jing. Quote, at present, the trainees who have participated have all graduated, Zakir told a news conference in Beijing. Quote, with the help of the government, stable employment has been achieved and their quality of life has been improved. Zhang Jing will continue with training based on, quote, independent will and, quote, the freedom to come and go, as he said. Well, they're going to do that now. You just didn't have that. Uh, you didn't have that freedom before. You have it now. And remember, too, that these are what they consider religious extremists that they're taking into these vocational uh, schools, these re-education camps that have gainful employment. Just just keep that in mind. They're saying that, no, we don't have these camps. No, we're not really detaining people. They can come and go as they please now. <laughs> uh, they, they're, they're employed. <laughs> just, just keep that type of stuff in mind. Uh, but continuing on, it says, while China has never provided official figures on how many people have been held in the camps, Zakir said foreign estimates were, quote, pure fabrication without giving details. He also called a measure passed by the U.S. House of Representatives that condemned China's treatment of, Uyghur, of the Uyghur minority a severe violation of international law and gross interference in China's internal affairs. Quote, the U.S. is getting restless and has launched a smear campaign against Xinjiang, said Z- Zakir said. Quote, but no force can stop Jiang Jing's progress towards stability and development. That's right. Stability and development. They want to make sure that you're in line with what's going on. Reeducate yourself. Your religion is useless in China. You need to get employed. Stop thinking about uh, Allah. Stop thinking about God. Stop thinking about Buddha and get a job. So I don't know if that's relatively good news, but that's what I'm saying. People are leaving <laughs> these concentration camps and graduating. I would hope that that's some kind of good news envisioning the future. I would hope that they don't get detained, and I'm sure we'll learn more about this in the future as we keep do as we as we, as we keep on hearing about it. But you know, this is what I would hope is good news: people being released from these thought transformation centers. So I have a uh, and, the re- and, and, and the reason I wanted to put that up on the, after after the homeless situation 
is to point out the fact that how many people, the homeless, have been taken to re-education camps uh, who can't really get reintegrated here in America. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but at least in China, they're making sure that people have jobs. That these people that are homeless or whatever, you know, we just kind of throw them aside. They get ostracized. They get marginalized, put on the fringe of society, and some of them end up committing suicide or doing crazy things. And so I know this sounds crazy, an upside-down world, the way that we live in today, but at least people are getting trained up and doing something. Now, I mean, you could talk about this being communism and a different thing as well, but I hope you guys understand what I'm saying. You see. So I wanted to talk briefly, just to finish the segment, envisioning the future. I wanted to end it off talking about, you know, how this general is saying that the Space Force that has been announced, this is something that I, I, I didn't get around to posting and talking about, the new NDAA, but it has been announced. A general has said that the Space Force will get you anywhere in an hour using energy from space. I think that's pretty cool. Super, super cool. You have Lieutenant, Lieutenant General Stephen L. Quast, commander of the Air Education and Training Command at San Antonio Randolph Basin, Texas, saying... We're creating a space force. We're doing it. We're advancing technology. This is also good because we've reported on some of the advanced technology that China has. Uh, their UFO, their, their maglev trains, uh, some of the cars, the developments, and everything else that they're, they're, they're doing. It's good that we start having these developments in technology, even though we know they're there, because, again, this gives people something to hope towards. This is, again, envisioning the future and trying to come up with that pro-human renaissance space future. But let's get into this. Uh, using energy from space sounds like something that the Nazis did with the Hanebu. And if you're unfamiliar with the Hanebu is, it's basically like, <laughs> it's like, it's like the Nazi spaceship where they're taking the concept of Nikola Tesla pulling energy from the Aether to power a spaceship. It's pretty super cool. Look into it. Uh, but let's get into this article. We put this up December 10th. It's by Paul Seaburn of Mysterious Universe. It says, in a hurry to get so- in a hurry to get somewhere on the other side of the earth or the other side of the world in an hour, then you need to join the Space Force. What, what? That seems to be under the advice of a retired U- United States Air Force general who claims that the Space Force already has the technology to build a craft capable of, build- of being anywhere on earth in an hour. If you are not interested in fast travel, he has some Space Force technology for homebodies, too. The newest branch of the Arms Forest also has the capability to deliver Wi-Fi and energy from space. Quote, the technology is on the engineering branches to benches today, but most Americans and members of Congress have not had time to really look deeply at what's going on there, or what's going on here. But I've had the benefit of 33 years of studying and making friends with these scientists. This technology can be built today with technology that is not developmental. Late last month, Lieutenant General Stephen L. Kowast, commander of the Air Education and Training Command at the San Antonio Randolph Basin, Texas, revealed this and more in a speech entitled, quote, The Urgent Need for a U.S. Space Force, delivered to an audience at Hillsdale College in Washington, D.C. Kowast, he retired earlier this year, but Kowast believes It's not just advanced technology that will determine who will lead the world in space, but also who has the values to protect human rights from exploitation by market forces, industries, militaries, and governments governments that guard the technology. The responsibility, in Quast's mind, belongs to the Space Force. Quote, the power of space will change the world power forever. As a historian, reflecting on the fact that throughout the history of mankind, technology has changed world power. 
but the story of rejecting new and holding the clinging to the paradigms of the past is why no civilization has ever lasted forever and values are trumped by other values when another civilization figures out a way of finding a competitive advantage. The nature of power, you either have it or you, the nature of power, you either have it and your values rule or you do not have it and you must submit. We see that play out again and again in history, and it's playing out now. But wait a minute, you say. The Space Force is still a proposal, not an actual branch of the military, right? That's true. Although this week, the Democrats in Congress and White House negotiators agreed to authorize the creation of the Space Force in exchange for a, posi for a policy establishing 12 weeks of paid parental leave for federal workers. Neither has anything to do with the other, but that's how government works these days. Quast should be happy to hear the news because he warns that China, it's always China, China is already building its own space force. But wait a minute again, you say. Don't Quast say, didn't Quast say we had advanced technology from hypersonic travel and Tesla's dream of wireless energy from space already on the bench? Unfortunately, that's where the fall, that's where he falls back on the old diatribe about China beating us to 5G technology. Why he is worried about 5G when it's such low tech to fly anywhere in an hour and getting energy from, from space. It would, it would have been nice if he had given more insight on those and perhaps explained how today's manufacturers, hungry for new business and today's workers, ready for more jobs, can capitalize on this. All we really have are mysterious triangular aircraft sightings and rumors. While it's great that people like retired General Stephen L. Quast are hinting about this advanced technology, seeing is believing. After all, we're still waiting for flying cars. And that's what I mean by envisioning the future. Pulling energy from space. We have the technology. We shouldn't be talking about all these other crazy things. We should be trying to build a better world. We should be trying to protect the earth. Isn't that what Jeff Bezos said? I hate to agree with some of these crazy catalysts, you know, these, these people that are just like taking everything. But isn't that what Jeff Bezos said? In order for us to save the earth, we have to get off of it. We have to start building things that give back to the earth. But at the same time, and I remember talking to a scientist about this. It's crazy. Talking about, you know, getting, getting to over, over point energy or over energy or over unity where you're like generating even more electricity and energy than you're consuming. And we have the technology. We can do these things. Where we're at these days, we shouldn't be focusing on all these nonsensical things. Having wars, fighting over resources. We live in abundance. And that's why I wanted to change things up. That's why I wanted to talk about some of the good things that have happened and that are happening. But speaking of some things that are happening, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about what they're doing to our childhood, or at least what they're doing to children's childhood. A global survey finds that UK teens are the least likely to think about, or the least likely to think that my life has clear meaning and purpose. New calls for anti-vaxxers to be thrown in re-education camps, as well as a wicked cocktail of corporate greed, social media, and opioids that are slashing U.S. Exp life expectancy rates. You also have Britain's first transgender couple announcing their five-year-old child has begun gender transition. We're going to be talking about this and more on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction on Factions of Freedom. And we'll be right back right after this.
Stations, my friends. I'm here to talk to you about, that's right, CBD oil. CBD oil can reduce the risk of relapse among alcohol and cocaine addicts, and you know they're trying to flood us with both. According to a 2013 study published in the British Journal of Clinical Pharmacology, CBD was proven to have these benefits, relieving pain and inflammation, having antipsychotic effects, reducing anxiety, helping to fight cancer, relieving nausea, treating seizures, lowering incidences of diabetes, and also promoting cardiovascular health. Realized that in 2014, Purdue Pharma received FDA approval for an opioid drug that claimed to help curb the opioid addiction. This will actually help you curb your usage of opioids as well as your reliance upon them. And remember, guys and gals, stay vigilant. Welcome back. That's right. I wanted to switch things up. You know, like I said, the, the, the world that we're going into, I think people should be always informed of it. We shouldn't always be trying to fight things. We should, we should really try to look at what good is being done uh, again and what we can really do. This is that pro-human renaissance based future, you know, and, and why people really need to be appreciative of what we have done. You know, that there is somebody out there. Uh, creating a device to clean up the ocean, the great, the North Pacific, the great North Pacific garbage patch. You know, to where you have things like Mr. Trash, trash Wheel, where you have people trying to clean up the earth. These are the reinforcements that I always keep trying to talk about. The children that are going to come save us from ourselves. So the people who don't really care about these types of things. You know, they named Greta Thunberg the person of the year this year. Time Magazine did. And so you have people all over the internet getting hyped up over that both good and bad. You could see the agenda being clearly pushed from her. And I'm not trying to mention any people like that, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Greta Thunberg, or any of that. I'm trying to talk about Moses West, that ex-Army uh, Ranger guy who created that dehumidifier that provides clean water. You know, I'm trying to talk about these people who are creating all kinds of great tools. I remember just the other day I was reading an article about this uh, it's like 21 year old girl they created like an armor plate that that uh blocks radiation for whenever people go into tests 
and I thought, gosh, how awesome would that be to kind of see that stuff for 5G? You know, I, I want to create uh, clothing that you can wear that, that, that shoots off 5G beams and stuff like that. Could you imagine having like an Under Armour that you wear that, that has that? Because people put on like compression socks uh, that have copper in them. Could you imagine having like a, a full body spandex suit or like an Under Armour suit that has like the, the material in it that, that, that shoots off the radiation? But you get what I'm saying. These are the type of things that we need to envision and more. And instead, they have us destroying ourselves, distorting our body, perverting it, focusing on pedophilia, hypersexualization, killing ourselves with drugs, you know, wasting our life away on social media, not finding a purpose, just, you know, uh, appealing to the apathy, falling for the nihilism, giving in to the greater darkness, succumbing to the wickedness. And I feel like that's why I had to start this episode off completely different. It's because we're very well aware of the darkness over here. We're very well aware of the social disintegration that is taking, pl- taking place and the deterioration of humanity that's occurring before our very eyes. And yes, I'm not discounting it at all. What I'm trying to say is the very, the very reality of everything I just said right there is true. The same way that before that, the renewable technologies... The, the collecting rainwater tents, uh, renewable farming, and things like this, that's there. But it doesn't get a highlight because it shows progress, and they want to be able to control progress. There's an article floating around uh, this week amongst all these news streams that I follow. I clocked it. It's like 75 news outlets I follow. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it was a list of just 20,000 different patents that have been kept secret and what's even more crazy is, I made the, I, I had mentioned earlier, I just need to say this stuff and get into these articles and topics. I had mentioned earlier, you know, how they've been messing with the weather since uh, roughly 150 years. I can say that because we have a list on our Instagram highlights that shows you the patent list uh, from like the 1800s. I know that's not 50 years, but we're coming up on it. From like the 1800s that shows like <laughs> they've, they've, they've had the ability. And so this is where we are. And when I talk about like a parallel war, a parallel government, a breakaway civilization, you know, a, 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 a sect of people who live completely away from us, that's not that far. They've taken the best of us. I mean, you see the new new you see the new new Illuminati with the Facebook, the Twitter, uh, the YouTube, the Google. You guys see that the people that control the information that you can consume, the information that's out there. You see the new new Illuminati telling you what you can say and what you can do. But what about, the, what about the breakaway civilizations, the ones that have access to the advanced technology, that have been had access to it? You see, that's what we need to be pondering. How we compete with that? Are they human? Are we human? What is our existence? And so much more. Instead, they have us focusing on uh, perversions is the easiest way I can describe it to you guys. You know, just last week I talked to you guys about Last weekend on Fellowship of Freedom, I talked about how genetic engineering is booming in China. You know, we're four grade levels behind in math due to Common Core. Talked about Hie Jianqiu, who created Lulu and Nana, the Chinese babies that were resistant to HIV and AIDS. And at the time of reporting that, and the last time I talked about it on Fellowship of Freedom, I said while he made them resistant to HIV and AIDS, what did he make them susceptible to? When we're playing God, we're not necessarily sure what any of these uh, 
I think it's like CC35 alpha. I'm not sure what it's called, the specific gene. But when we're playing God, we're not sure what we're doing with our chemical set. And for exclusive members, because they have access to the episode, you guys heard me go on a fantastic rant explaining how China uh, is essentially opening the Pandora's box with genetic mutation akin to the days of Noah, akin to creating giants in Nephilim, polluting the genome, because China truly is the most homogenous race here. The Chinese are the most homogenous race on the nation. They're not racist. They're just the true pure bloods. They're the ones that have a, a relatively unpolluted, unfettered bloodline. And so, yes, genetic engineering is, explo- is, is, is booming in China. But over here in America, <laughs> over here in America, you have people like creepy Uncle Joe Biden saying, I, I love kids sitting in my lap. Yep. I love, I know about roaches. I know about kids. I love it when the kids sit in my lap. Do you guys get the the contrast I'm trying to play for you there? That in China, they're working on advanced technology. They're trying to advance you know, human genomes. They're trying to push the barrier of what it means to be human. Uh, not only with mental mastery, physical discipline, and so much more. Now they're even going into genetics. What spirit do you think they're in communication with? But here in America, we're teaching our children perversions. Sexualization. Kids as young as five being told to write gay love letters, same-sex love letters. You see? These are the type of things that, that really do get with, mess with me. And I was even thinking about this before coming on to the show. How, because we talk about ste- or, uh, uh, STEM classes, right? Uh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. We should start saying STEAM classes. Science technology, education, art, and mathematics, because that is something that is important too. And you're going to hear me talk more about that, and I'm going to push for that, because that falls into the pro-human renaissance space future. That's what we need to promote. That's what that is, what defines humanity. But again, getting back to uh, uh, distorting childhood, again, understand what they're doing to American children while there, is, while there are even greater things taking place. I want to read to you guys real quick this article that comes from Sign of the Times News. It talks about how the ills that are destroying Americans aged 25 to 64, it's killing us. U.S. life expectancy rates are going down. I talk about it all the time, how we're not regenerating at a faster rate, how we're actually degenerating at an even faster rate. And how a wicked cocktail of corporate greed, social media, and opioids is slashing U.S. US life expectancy rates. I mean, just just this past week, right? Juice World, the rapper, died. Apparently, he poxed from Percocets before he got onto the plane and died on the plane. And now you have people saying it was racist cops and all this other stuff. He had guns and weed on the plane. And so, you know, this uh, kid was 21. There's videos floating around of him saying that he he was trying to sell his soul. He knew he wasn't going to live to 21. And then when you look at his girlfriend, she's got the Freemasonic uh, compass and the eye underneath her her breast. It's all kinds of Illuminati stuff, and they seem to be breaking it up. My point behind going in this rant, and then I'll play for you guys this video, is that's the cocktail right there. Juice World, Lil Peep. You know, rapper died this week. I hate to sound like a jerk, but which one died this week? Was it Mac Miller? Was it Lil Peep? Uh, little, little, little something, you know, little desk scribble face. 
you know, and I don't mean to be a jerk like this, but I'm saying this is the culture that's being promoted. This is the one that, 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 that endorses child sex trafficking, human trafficking, organ trafficking. Good Lord, just the other week we talked about a white van running around kidnapping people and kidnapping little young black girls, harvesting their organs. Good Lord. And so when people glorify degenerate behavior, and whenever, as I said before, we refer to 50% of the population, ladies and women, as uh, female dogs, and don't even give them that courtesy, we go a little bit farther, what do you think is going to happen? What are the, where are the visionaries of today? I, why aren't more people behind the concept of renewable farming or you know, getting energy from space? Why do we glorify this trap behavior? I'll say this and I'll, I'll get into this article. I freaked out earlier this week saying that social media has turned the world ghetto. It's reduced language down to guttural sounds, emojis, and superficial understandings of things. People don't have a lust for life. They're not, they, don't, they don't love knowledge. They don't seek truth. They love Percocet. You know, they love twerking. Man, shoot. I can't wait for the next festival. We want to bliss out. Shucks. Tell me about the DMT and the aliens, EJ. I don't want to hear about any of this nonsense. You see, the opioid epidemic is so, uh, it's so intense that even people at Home Depot are having items stolen and traded. That means like people, like I said, 25 to 64, are out there stealing stuff. But what I'm trying to reiterate by all this is that it is a distortion of, of, of childhood. When you give children cell phones and they want to you know, be like Miley Cyrus or Ariana Grande or Caitlyn Jenner for even that matter. Or even uh, Desmond is Amazing or Greta Thunberg. These kids, they all grow up too fast. And the world that we're offering them isn't one that, 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 that protects that innocence. That exalts, you know, that independent, that, that independent child beauty that says, hey, you know, is Santa Claus real? Uh now, these days, we're so woke, we'll say he's a colonizer and he's a disgusting person, or we'll just say he's related to the Amanita Ascaria, and so much more, the mushrooms. There's a certain innocence that comes with childhood that, if you ask me, needs to be protected. We talk about protecting kids a lot. But people don't understand this. And so before I rant even more, uh, let, me, uh, let me play for you guys this quick clip and get into this article you know like i said it comes from sign of the times we put this up december 2nd it says a wicked a wicked cocktail of corporate greed social media and opioids is slashing u.s life expectancy rates it has this has subtitles so i'll read it to you guys it says shouldn't people in the richest country in human history live the longest sadly life expectancy for americans seems to be going downwards there is a solid increase in deaths from drug overdoses, suicides, and diseases such as cirrhosis, liver, cancer, and obesity. All of which are brought by willful self-destructive behavior. These ills are destroying Americans aged 25 to 64 who should be healthy. Stress, poor economics, and troubled Medicare system are partially to blame. This phenomenon is being referred to as deaths of despair, which used to apply to only white males. Now, other races are feeling misery, and women have begun to take their own lives in record numbers. Something is going wrong in America. And I would have to agree. 
I, I, would, I would definitely have to agree. That's the sad truth of this all. This is that nihilistic, apathetic spirit, this death cult we've talked about so many times in this season. Kill yourself. Kill yourself for climate change. You know, abortion for climate change. Cannibalism for climate change. Eat your pets for climate change. Kill yourself for climate change. Don't have any kids for climate change. You know, what did they think that was going to do? It doesn't matter anymore. Kill yourself. Have some fast food. Don't take care of yourself. Nothing's real. It's all a joke. There is no God. What did, what did they think was going to happen? Let me get into this article. It says, following decades of increased life expectancy rates, Americans have been dying earlier for three consecutive years since 2014, turning the elusive quest for the American dream into a real-life nightmare for many. Corporate America must accept some portion of the blame for the looming disaster. Something is killing Americans, and researchers have yet to find the culprit, but we can risk some intuitive guesses. According to the researchers from the Center of Society and Health, Virginia Commonwealth University School of Medicine, American life expectancy has not kept pace with that of other wealthy countries and is now fast decreasing. The National Centers for Health Statistics reported that life expectancy in the United States peaked 78.9 years in 2014 and subsequently dropped for three consecutive years, hitting 78.6 years in 2017. The decrease was most significant among men than women and happened across racial ethnic lines. Between 2014 and 2016, life expectancy rates among non-Hispanic white populations was from 78.8 to 78.5 years. Non-Hispanic black populations from 75.3 years to 74.8 years. And Hispanic populations 82.1 years to 81.8 years. By 2014, midlife mortality was increasing across all racial groups caused by drug overdoses, alcohol abuses, suicides, and a diverse list of organ system diseases, wrote researchers Stephen H. Wolf and Heidi Shoemaker in a study that appears in the latest issue of the prestigious journal of the American Medical Association. At the very beginning of the report, Wolf and Shoemaker revealed that the geographical area and the largest relative increases occurred in the Ohio Valley and New England. The implications for public health and the economy are substantial, they added, quote, making it vital to understand the underlying causes. Incidentally, it would be difficult for any observer of the U.S. political scene to read that, to read that passage without immediately connecting it to the 2016 presidential election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And what they're saying is that since 2016, people have just started killing themselves. Or better yet, since 2014, people have just started falling off the wagon, man. You know, like that, uh, like that good song from Metallica, Nothing Else Matters. Nothing Else Matters. That was something last week that we didn't really, that we weren't really able to get into, Right. To really put it into context to you guys, they're telling these kids either dress up as drag queens or, you know, take part in protests. Your education don't matter. You know, get on YouTube, waste your life away. And that was last week, you see. And the reason I say that is because people don't care. What did you think this was going to lead to? People don't care. This is not a good thing. When you have people who, who, who see no purpose in fighting for a bigger future, uh, building something for their family, for their kids, for their community, trying to leave a legacy, trying to help their, their fellow man, 
their fellow woman. You see, here's, and you hear me talk about this all the time. People are looking for a political solution for a very, very deep spiritual problem. We have become godless. Where do you think that eternal, that eternal uh, passion comes from? This is what materialism has done. It has murdered us. It has murdered creativity. It has savaged the idea of, 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 of channeling something even greater, of, of, of accessing the divine. School has done that too. Education has done that. This is what, god dang it, this is what it's done. People don't have an incentive to live anymore. They, they, they wait for Game of Thrones or they wait for uh, Rick and Morty or the latest game to drop, Star Wars or Disney Wars. <laughs> Watch that become something. But you, but you get what I mean. People don't have a purpose. They're not seeking these things. And so they're giving up. They're tossing the towel. They're drinking. They're being consumed by the drugs. And this is why we report on, on the opioid epidemic. Things like fentanyl and how pervasive it, 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 it truly is and how much damage the war on drugs truly is doing from fake cartridges to from this vaping epidemic and more. I talk about these things because we all have certain proclivities. Everybody's got a vice. Let's be real. The problem is certain vices are more toxic than others. Certain people like heroin, certain people like cocaine, certain people like weed, certain people like Percocets. I think it's crazy that we have a pollution of drugs in the first place. This is my issue with now magic, with magic mushrooms. They're going ahead and throwing that out there. If you didn't think people were disassociated before and zombies today, watch what happens whenever people start taking these mushrooms. You already have pill heads, crackheads out there too. What happens when you have a lot of people that are dissociative? Not people that are seeking the truth. And this all goes towards what I keep trying to tell you guys. This purpose towards life. Wanting to be more. Seeking after uh, the truth. Looking at history. Seeing how long we've been here. How many times we've been in uh, certain stages and certain ages. This is why, as crazy as it sounds, we'll talk, we might talk about this uh, in, in, in next week's episode or even at the start of 2020 with the Space Force. I know people don't want to hear about the military-industrial complex, endless wars, colonizing other lands and uh, nation-building in other places. But we need the Space Force as, as, a, as a symbol to bring, to bring out the best and the brightest, to have a challenge, something that encourages us to do better. Because right now, all we're really doing is competing for, for likes and attention on social media. And these days, we're not saying the best of everything to get people's attention. Good Lord, like I said before, we've, we've reduced women and objectified them to just pretty objects. <laughs> I, saw, I saw this, and I, I think this is a good way for me to just get into this. I saw uh, this, this post on Instagram from like Jay, I think the, the page was like Jay's analysis. And it was like a report, a police report being filed because somebody posted or wrote in graffiti, you know, girls that have born. Girls born after 1993 don't know how to do anything besides like twerk, charge a phone, uh, order order McDonald's, and be bisexual, and that was like a hate crime. And I think it's true because you know they didn't really teach us home economic skills. They didn't teach us taxes. They didn't teach us how to run a business. They didn't teach us how to be creative. They didn't teach us anything. They taught us how to be eye candy, how to look you know nice, and that's what we have on social media. And so with the space force. The idea behind that is bringing out the best in everyone, the best engineers, the best designers, you know, the best athletes, the best scientists, the best writers, and this is what we need, something that unifies us instead of all this division that we're focusing on. But here, 
speaking more about how we are just being assaulted. Uh, this article comes from Summit News. It's by Paul Joseph Watson. It says a global survey has found that UK teens are least likely to think that, quote, my life has clear meaning or purpose. And we've talked about this before, the inferiority complex uh, that millennials suffer from. We've talked about the opioids that 50% of Americans are on. And again, this is the, the nihilism and the apathy. And before getting into this, I think the reason why I, why I harp so much on this is because this is what's truly afflicting us. Pope Francis has failed you. Don't look for, don't peop, don't look for the Catholic Church to empower you. Don't look for any man to empower you. Learn to do that yourself. Seek after the eternal. But whenever they've created a society that, that, that dismisses that, dismisses the beauty and the grandiose of God and so much more and the mystery of, of, of history and so much more, this is what you're going to get. You're going you're gonna to feel like your life doesn't have purpose. Heck, if you even had a deeper connection with your family, I'm sure that they would have a purpose for you. But because we live in this world of just political liberalism to where we think everything's philosophical, we're suffering from that Rome killing itself disease. Uh, but let me get into this article. Like I said, we put this up December 10th. It says a new global survey by the OECD of 15-year-olds across the world found that young people in the UK are ranked second to last in the, quote, meaning, to life, meaning of life index. The survey also found that teens in the UK out of 79 different countries are the least likely to agree with the phrase, quote, my life has clear meaning or purpose. Given that the UK is a is a technologically developed country with a strong economy, good levels of literacy and education, and a supposedly distinct culture, why do so many teenagers have such low life satisfaction? It's, early, it's extremely noteworthy that the countries where teens report a feeling of strong sense of purpose in their lives are economically poor, but strong when it comes to religion, namely Albania and Panama. According to Freddie Sayers, the executive editor of, of Unheard, the fact that the results suggest religion makes people content means that the whole subject is a, quote, less appetizing subject for liberal-minded debate. Quote, the topic of the OECD rankings are filled with more religious countries, and the UK is now one of the most secular countries in the world, writes Sayers. Sayers also suggests that a lack of identity due to mass immigration could also be a factor. Quote, it seems fair to speculate that their famously strong national, regional, and local cultures, Switzerland and Australia, uh, Austria, play a part in giving their children a strong, sense of, a strong sense of place as they grow into adulthood, writer Sayers. Right Sayers. That's a crazy way to put it. Uh, adding that, quote, the OECD reports, report actually singles out the UK as a country in which, quote, students with an immigrant background were much more likely to report a greater sense of meaning in life than their native-born counterparts. Sayers also highlights social media addiction and weak family values as factors that serve to drain youngsters of a sense of meaning in their lives. Like I just said, that's why why I've talked about the orphan spirit. (sighs) Let me finish this. The results highlight how young people in already secular counties or countries that are becoming more secular appeal to be getting more depressed. As we previously highlighted, another poll revealed that a staggering 89% of young people aged 18 to 29 in the UK feel their lives are meaningless and without purpose. 30% of youngsters complain about being stuck or, quote, stuck in a rut, while 84% say they are failing to, quote, live their best life. 
And I, I, let me speak on that because that's why I speak. Why, why I wanted to speak on the orphan spirit. Why I also wanted to speak on again the nihilism, the apathy, the social media addiction. You know, Xbox and video games defining people's culture, defining people's identity. I, I I wish I took more time to read it, but there was a great article from I think Business Insider that talked about I for, I forget what the syndrome is, but it's like where you're essentially losing your identity. It's like the follower where you're just becoming part of the background, you know, because you're not effectively ident- uh, 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 self-identifying, you know. And I think that's a good way to say it because. I watched this show on Hulu called Evil Twins, and it talks about sometimes whenever the twins separate at certain parts of their life, you know, because they spend so much time together that they have a hard time, you know, self-identifying, going through like the 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 individualization process to where they recognize who they are, what they'd like to do. And if they don't go through that individualization process, they kind of have this weird thing take place to where they feel like they're extensions of one another, to where they're, 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 they're together, they're twins. And I'm sure everybody understands that. But that's what a lot of people are experiencing these days because they don't have that, that level of individualization, self-awareness, self-identifying as to who they are. This is why, as we're about to switch topics, talking about, again, uh, distorting childhood, transgenderism, and all this other stuff, people shouldn't be putting this stuff to kids, man. Pure, plain, and simple. <laughs> they should, if, they're, if they want to identify as a child as they get older, then they can do these things. But because we're living in a world these days that, that promotes this type of behavior, you're having people, again, take that wallflower-like syndrome, going along with the herd, that groupthink mentality, and joining uh, jo- joining that collective. It's very dangerous. People need to go through a sort of indiv- individualization process to know who they are. You have to experience hardships, highs, lows, adversity, joy, success, failure, and more to really learn who you are. Uh, but because people see things and perceive things through a social media lens, they, they, they view it in a certain dimension and they, they want it to happen a lot faster. This is the instant gratification generation. So do you see how many different things our generation is afflicted by socially and culturally? How fast, as I said before, some kids are having to grow up and what society is giving them once they reach there. It's very dangerous. So yes, those kids thinking that their life doesn't have meaning, well, that's the point. They don't want you to have meaning. They don't, they don't want kids to uh, think for themselves. You know, this is why we talked. Uh, this 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 is why they're trying so hard to scramble the future. You see, could you imagine if all these kids learned that they were supposed to be helping invent new technologies, not only to to, to clean up this world, but to take us to others? Could you imagine what would happen if we had, uh, let's just say, a hundred kids from like science camp working on like a teleporter? Could you imagine how that would excite? groups of kids around the entire world to begin to work on advanced technologies that would help everybody feed the homeless and if they had that at their disposal. But you have greedy corporate capitalists like, Am- like Jeff Bezos harvesting, uh, harvesting basically 80% of the world's wealth. They have technocrats like Bill Gates who just take more and more. They kill people. But this is what I'm saying. We have these figures, the Elon Musks even, 
but we don't have those real children that the real inventors. You have Greta Thunberg, but that's not, you know, that's not the same. I'm saying we need actual children to inspire the next generation, to give them hope, to make the generation that came before them step up a little bit, work a little harder, because you do have kids watching, and they do want to help. And we can't slack. But instead, instead you have a study saying that bisphenol A is causing severe hormonal imbalances in 80% of the teens. And this is what I mean by distorting childhood. This is why they have the gender bending and the gender fluidity these days, because kids don't know what planet they're on. You know, if they're not being told they're a boy whenever they're a girl or vice versa, then their bodies are literally sending mixed signals because it's not operating appropriately and their diets, good Lord, throw that out the window. Taking your health back has become a revolutionary act. I'm not talking about veganism. I'm just saying knowing about the difference between vitamin D, vitamin E, you know, having like some iodine, adrenal triphosphate, you know, getting you some... Just, just getting your body healthy and clean, knowing like what a system detox is. How can people know what their purpose is in life if they're so bogged down by poison, the brain fog that they're under? This is what I mean by the dehumanization that, 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 that we're undergoing, the degeneration that is taking place. You see, let me briefly get into this, and I'll get into an alarming article that came out earlier this week. Uh, that's even more crazy. I won't read the fullness of this, but just to get it on record. It says, according to new research, four out of five teens in the UK are having their hormones disrupted by chemicals found in plastics. We're not talking about atrazine, as Alex Jones has said, turning the frickin' frogs gay, but we're talking about chemicals in the water and plastic bottles disrupting hormones. It says, experts believe that the chemicals responsible for this widespread hormone issue is bisphenol A, which is commonly known as BPA. This chemical is often used to make plastics and can be found in products that come into contact with food. Since this chemical can mimic the sex hormone estrogen, it has been found to lower sperm count in men. The chemical has also been linked to a variety of illnesses, including breast and prostate cancer. The study, or a study, was recently conducted at the Exeter University where a team of researchers tested the blood and urine of 94 different teens between the ages of 17 and 19 for, for a number of toxins and chemicals. The researchers found that roughly 80% of the teens had, dangerous, had these dangerous chemicals in their bodies. The study was led by exotoxicology professor Tamara Galloway, who was convinced by the growing body of evidence that exposure to BPA has serious health risks. Researchers noted that the toxin levels decreased for teens who had changed their diet to include more fresh produce and thus less plastic contamination. We've talked about that before as well, how people can like literally get all the pesticides out of their body by having like an organic diet. Uh, and that's why, again, when we focus on things like veganism, it's not like that's not the solution, bro. There's so many different things that come into con or that there's so many different factors that come with taking care of your body that by adding a blanket statement on it is very dangerous because you're not actually trying to systematically take care of all the things that are going on. You're being trendy. You're going along to get along, and that's good for you. But if you're really trying to take care of your body, you should take the time to isolate whatever issues you have going on and get, get learned up on them. You know, and, 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 I, and I don't want to you know, suggest things like DNA, DNA, um, 23andMe, Ancestry.com, or any of these other DNA places because they'll take your DNA. But it's also important for you to know your history and your legacy 
to see like what's going on with your with your diet. Um, you know, long time listeners remember uh, my father suffered from prostate cancer a few years back, and so that's another reason why we've taken our health a lot more serious. But if you're not attached to your family, attached to your history, attached to your legacy, grounded and based in, his, in, in reality, you're going to just screw off. You're going to die. You're not going to think it's important to you. You're not going to learn from history, so you're doomed to repeat it. And that's the sad part of it, you see. Uh, but uh, this, is, uh, this is something crazy, too. Uh, while we're talking about knowing what's going on with your health, taking care of your body, uh, and knowing what's good for the individual instead of like hoping that somebody else does. This is an astounding article that came out this week. It follows on the heels of what we talked about uh, just the other week about the vaccine agenda and how at the start of 2019 you had the World Health Organization declare anti-vaxxers as a global health risk. You now have uh, new calls emerging for, quote, anti-vaxxers to be thrown in re-education camps while their children are kidnapped in their homes, seized. You have Rick Wilson, who is apparently an anti-Trump neocon. You have Rick Wilson saying that we need to kidnap children, seize their home, seize the parents' homes, and throw the parents in re-education camps. This comes from Mike Adams of Natural News. They put this up December 9th. It says, if you disagree... You know what, before, before I get into this article, I'm just going to go ahead and read to you guys the tweet because you can, you can <laughs> because of how we have this set up video-wise, uh, we've actually just locked in the tweet with the video. This is by the Rick Wilson. He says, anti-vaxxers are a scourge and a strong argument for re-education camps, the immediate seizure of their property and putting their children into protective custody. He said this, December 6th, 2019 at 8.51 a.m. The sad part is, is it has 7,813 likes. He was responding uh, to Brandy Zadnray, who was, who was saying on Twitter that anti-vaxxers are moving the fight offline, crashing media-covered events, harassing doctors and private citizens. One group stood with signs outside a pediatrician's office, accosting parents with infants in their arms. I doubt that, but uh, again... You, you have to create the narrative. So let me get into this article. It says, if you disagree with the medical establishment's lies about vaccines, you have no right to exist in a society at all, say, says pro-vaccine authoritarian tyrants. In case you were wondering what the real plans for people who oppose the quack science dogma of the vaccine industry and its child-murdering vaccine advocates, look no further than today's rant from anti-Trump neocon Rick Wilson. Quote, anti-vaxxers are a scourge and a strong argument for re-education camps, the immediate seizure of their, prop, their property, and putting their children into protective custody. A neocon Republican strategist and so-called never-Trumper said this. This demand sums up the medical police state tyranny and the anti-human authoritarianism that categorizes vaccine advocates, almost all of whom are, quote, medical child molesters who maim children for profit. They quite literally seek to throw parents in consecration camps if they refuse to have their children injected with nearly a hundred toxic vaccines that contain neurotoxic substances such as aluminum, squalene, mercury, aborted human fetal tissue, formaldehyde, and even complete DNA sequences of aborted human babies whose genes were genetically engineered to cause cancer. 
Rick Wilson is the creature of criminal-minded Bush administration who engineered the 9-11 tax to put, the, put in place the Patriot Act, expansions of the deep state surveillance to spy on the American people in the name of national security. And so there you have it. It's easier to lock up your opposition than to actually listen to them. And that's where we're at today. That's medical tyranny. And I like that Mike Adams said uh, medical child molesters. Because speaking of child molesters, we're going to talk about uh, this new couple out here in Britain. And ironically enough, it seems like we've been talking a lot about the UK. That was not the intention of this. I was pulling up the article titles. But it seems like there's a lot of stuff going on in the UK. And a lot of chemicals going on there. Uh, The Tavistock Institute is actually out in the UK as well. We've talked about how they're putting lithium in the water to uh, increase or to decrease xenophobic responses to change. So I, I, I think that's kind of strange that a lot of the articles we've been talking about uh, result in the UK. But my point behind this, you know, distorting the childhood, talking about all these different types of things that are going on, is to show you guys the, the levels at which they're operating. From messing with chemicals to calling for anti-vaxxers to be shot up. This is, this is a... This is this is authoritarian democracy, if you ask me. I'm not really sure what you would call it. They say it's liberalism, but it's got to be something else. This is groupthink. You know, to where if you don't go along with their herd, you're going to get your head chopped off. And that's a very dangerous world to be in. That's whenever they remove freedom and remove individuality. You know, uh, I, I wanted to talk about how there's a new research that shows way too much screen time is bad for developing brains. But I think people inherently know that. Don't give iPads, don't give these pacification tools and devices to your kids. You're going to kill them, or at least kill their incentive and so much more. Good Lord. You know, but getting back to the distorting childhood concept, removing the innocence that people have, the children have. Good Lord. Look at this. Britain's first transgender couple announces their five-year-old child has begun gender transition. This comes from Baxter Dimitri over there at News Punch. They put this up December 10th. And before I get into this article... I want to talk about another article that we, we, we had brought up earlier in the year uh, from the Free Thought Project, where, they, where you have doctors giving children as young as eight-year-old cross-sex hormones. It, it kind of blows my mind to look at this whole agenda and just see this roll out. It really is, you know, but in the future, I'm going to probably sound like a jerk or a bigot because of the way they'll manipulate language and culture and society that I don't understand this right now. You know, a few years ago, whenever all this stuff was coming out, I really didn't even understand it then. I I couldn't comprehend that it was actually happening. But now we have drag queen story time. Now we have pedophilia. Uh, Now we have transgenderism. Now we have them teaching uh, uh, hypersexualization tools to kids. You know, I, I freaked out about drag queens having access to your kids and how they could have potentially trafficked them into, put them in, 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 a, in, a, in a child sex trafficking, into prostitution because of the culture that they're creating. I want us to be focusing on, like I said, getting to different worlds, understanding different realms of, of, of reality, different dimensions of truth. But instead, they're distorting childhood. They're perverting innocence. They're manipulating the future. They're scrambling it by doing these types of things. They don't talk about the untold stories of these of, of the unsuccessful 
stories of gender transition, of all these other crazy things. And I feel like this is crazy. If you want my God to honest truth, I think this is child abuse. I really do. You've heard people say that teaching religion to children is child abuse. Well, what is this? This is just child, this is child abuse. Where it, this is medical child abuse. But here, let me get into this article. It says Britain's first transgender couple have revealed their five-year-old child, who was born a male, has started to transition into a girl. Do you think this child had that thought of his own? You know. Uh, I, I, I want to read this article for you guys, and then I'll play, play one clip for you, and then I'm going to play a little bit of a clip, and I'll put the rest of it in the description bar below. It comes from Greg Reese. He talks about Castration Incorporated, the whole transgender agenda, and how it really is one. I'm not going to play it for you in its entirety, but I want you guys to keep this in mind, because this is something that goes back at least to like the 40s, This is this is, and, and how it's just been incrementally increased over time to be socially acceptable to where we have people like Caitlyn Jenner, uh, at Drag Queen Storytime and so much more. But this is, it, 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 it's crazy to me. And so I'll, I'll play that for you guys. But here, let me get back into this article. This child clearly did not have this thought himself. Uh, but it says, Jody, 21, and Greg Rogers, 27, from Glasgow, Scotland, went public in an interview with the Daily Record announcing that their son, Jaden, has begun his own gender transformation. The transgender couple also complained that they have been subject to abuse since making the announcement and that they have been reported to several so that they have been reported to social services by people concerned for the welfare of their child. The couple denied claims that they encouraged their child to undergo the gender transition. When Greg Rogers told the Daily with Greg Rogers telling the Daily Record, quote, We've had people saying we're using Jaden to get attention and that she just wants to be a girl because I changed sex. It's ridiculous. Jaden knows nothing about my past. She just knows me as dad. Greg told the Mail Online Sunday, quote, we haven't encouraged Jane to do this, despite what people think, and we are and we are hurt at that suggestion. Greg, who has been a father to Jaden for three years since meeting Jody, said her first words since developing her speech was a plea to live as a female. He said, quote, she developed speech and immediately started saying, I hate wearing boys clothes and everything about being a boy. Well, I'm sure she did. I'm sure at three, year old, at three years old she was saying that. According to the transgender couple, five-year-old Jaden is adamant he is a girl and loves dressing up as Princess Anna from the, from the Disney film Frozen. Quote, they say it's cruel. We let her wear dresses, and, but it's not more cruel to do anything when, you're, when you've got a kid so adamant that she's a girl. She's ripping her hair off and bringing her heads on the wall, said Rogers. Earlier this year, it was revealed that five people working at Britain's only NHS transgender clinic had quit after children as young as three are being put through gender reassignment treatment. Quote, referrals to the clinic risen in, have risen in recent years, with 94 in 2010, 2010 rising to 2,519 by just last year, with the youngest patient aged just three. So, yeah, there you go. There is liberalism. There is cultural relevancy, there is the modern man, there is transhumanism, and there it is. There is drag queen story time. Better yet, those kids, got, they, 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 this is the opposite of drag queen story time. Or it's, it's the same bane, it's the same demon at the end of the day. It really is, there's, there's no way of getting around it. And if you think that's crazy, gender reassignment to children that's five years old, three years old, well, I'm going to play for you guys a little quick video, a video posted by the BBC that shows children 
that are six years old in primary school being told to write gay love letters to promote diversity. And so uh, the reason I'm, 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 I'm rapid firing through these is to show you what I mean by uh, distorting childhood. Remember what I said earlier in this segment about STEAM, not even STEM classes. Going with STEAM classes, science, technology, education, art, mathematics, anything like that. Promoting inclusivity, diversity, and tolerance. This is what your kids are learning. They're not learning about quantum physics. Well, clearly they're not going to learn about that like six years old. They're not learning about, you know, math, arithmetic, and so much more. Heck, like I told you, we're four grade levels behind in China, thanks to Common Core. And now we're just scrambling kids' brains by telling them, well, if you're a boy, biologically, you, you better start calling yourself a girl. This is 2019. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to play for you guys this clip, and then we'll get into Greg Reese's castration incorporated. But uh, this clip features kids from Boosie Lodge Primary School uh, imagining themselves in the role of Prince Harry, who wants to profess his love for and gay marry this man or his manservant, Thomas. That's what they're teaching uh, six-year-olds in the UK. No, Prince Henry. We're going to tell Thomas Wright to go leave for him to marry you. In this fairy tale, the prince wants to marry his servant, and the children are writing a love letter. The school has no boy or girl uniforms, and all ages take part in LGBT lessons. Go out into that world and find this diversity around them. You'll find that at a young age as well, and the more they can be accepted at this age, you're not going to face it further on because the children will be accepting them and will be accepting this diversity around them. They'll be accepting. They'll be accepting. You will accept the diversity if you're not your bigot. If you're not, you're a homophobe. If you're not, you're a xenophobe. You had better accept the diversity. And that's what I mean. That's the tolerance. And so they're teaching kids essentially to have these relationships. I didn't get around to posting it because the one person that did was a extremely Christian, and I didn't want to upset a lot of people is the best way to say it. But apparently the Church of Sweden redid the uh, Garden of Eden with, they, 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 did, they repainted the entire Garden of Eden painting uh, with same-sex people, like men and men and, men and women and women. They said, they, they called it paradise. Uh, they, they, they basically repainted the original sin Man and woman, Adam and Eve, knowing each other. They repainted it as man knowing man and woman knowing woman. And, you know, a whole lot of different arguments could be made about that being the actual original sin and so much more. But you get what I'm saying. They're trying to normalize all this stuff. The LGBTQP agenda, the transgender agenda, you know, the hypersexualization agenda, so much more. Because this is, I don't think it's normal, but I guess I'm just a bigot. So I'm not going to play for you guys the entire video of Castration Incorporated, Planned Parenthood, and the business of transgenderism. I'm going to put the link for that in the description bar below. But I do want to play for you a decent amount of it to where you guys understand the agenda that is at play. Uh, and like I said, if you guys want to know more, you can find that in the description bar below. 
but this is Greg Reese's Castration Incorporated. For many of us, this idea of transgenderism seems brand new. It is man. But the movement we are seeing today was born a hundred years ago. The founding fathers of this transgender movement were of the same culture as the eugenics crowd. The media push for transgenderism happened 60 years before Bruce Caitlyn Jenner. In 1952, George Jorgensen became the first American to undergo a sex change operation. After learning about the procedure in the U.S. Army, he went to Denmark, where he was given special permissions from the Danish Minister of Justice to undergo several sexual reassignment operations. George Jorgensen became Christine Jorgensen and was instantly taken in by Hollywood and made an advocate for the transgender community. Her influence through pop culture made transgenderism and sex change operations more normal and acceptable. We then see it in the universities. Gender identity research began in 1962 at UCLA, and the gender identity clinic at Johns Hopkins was performing sex reassignment surgeries by the late 19. In 1969, the Marshall Tanner study created the term precocious puberty, which is defined as a disorder and diagnosed when a child shows signs of puberty too soon. According to the study, too soon is age 8 for girls and age 9 for boys. Precocious puberty doesn't physically harm the child, and yet it was considered a disorder. Just two years later came the discovery of gonadotropin-releasing hormone, GnRH, what we know today as puberty blockers. And it was immediately prescribed to those diagnosed with precocious puberty to halt the natural hormonal process in their bodies. And why? Because two men wrote a paper that suggested it was emotionally bad for children to undergo puberty before everyone else. In 1980, the American Psychiatric Association's APA added gender identity disorder into the DSM-3, which opened the coffers of taxpayer health care funds to pay for sexual reassignment costs. Without FDA approval or any studies on the drug's long-term effects, they are injecting Lupron and other brands of puberty blockers into children, and doctors are being paid to prescribe them. In 2001, the makers of Lupron paid an $875 million settlement to the Department of Justice for giving illegal kickbacks to doctors in exchange for prescribing Lupron to their patients. This company is now the sixth largest independent biotech company in the world, with a revenue of over $32 billion in 2018. The company is also connected with the Clinton Global Initiative and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Oh, yes. In 2007, Boston Children's Hospital began transitioning children as young as three years old. From 2000 to 2014, gender-affirming surgeries have increased fourfold and up another 20% the next two years. So, yeah, I'll put the rest of that in the link in the description bar below so you guys can go finish watching the rest of it. Your taxpayers do- your taxpaying dollars here in America are funding that funding that level of child abuse. That's crazy.
And that's what I mean by the history of it. It's been going on for almost 100 years. That's why it's an organized agenda, and we're seeing it out in its full fold. If you guys want to know more, like I said, I will put the link for that in the description bar below. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be finishing up with this apparent mystery that's taking place in Chile. A, a plane, a military plane with 38 aboard, has gone missing en route to Antarctica. I find that interesting. Uh, as well as this volcano that has erupted in New Zealand. We're going to be talking about this and more on the other side, as if life wasn't strange. It's going to get a lot stranger. We're going to be talking about this and more on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction on Factions of Freedom, and we'll be right back right after this. These shows, these shows, welcome back, these shows, they seem to be getting more, more information packed for sure, uh, but at the same time, a certain fluidity to them, 
that you really wouldn't have otherwise. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to inform you guys, educate you, and really understand that when I make these accusations, they're coming from well-researched points of views and sometimes almost emotionless and factual-based. Um, and I guess that's, that's, that's probably why I have a harder time with things is I, is I don't necessarily feel in the, in the same way that different people do. I think everybody gets that by now. You know, in the segment, Earthly Anomalies, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the strange things that are happening. I wouldn't say necessarily due to climate change, but because of the time frame that we're in. You know, we're, we, we truly are a unique species, and things are happening to us. It was foretold, it was prophesied, it was written in stone. It's written in the stars and in heaven, and if, if you can decipher that language, you can kind of predict what's going to happen, but I guess we kind of forgot that language, just like our own history. And that's what I mean by earthly anomalies. There's a lot more as well, you know, uh, snakes with legs being found, ancient dinosaur bones, uh, ancient jewels, ancient... Uh, ancient tombs, coffins being uh, uh, discovered, so much more. There's a lot of stuff going on in this world these days. And the advent of technology helps us discover it. And that's why I'm trying to capture it with, you know, some of the content we have over there at, at Liberation Legion uh, and what we'll be doing, you know, in the future too with our website and more. Uh, but that's what I mean. This whole show, you know, I want to say this and I'll try to weave it into everything that we're go we have going on. This whole show is supposed to be a testament and a protest against the New World Order and so much more. But at the same time, it's also it's also meant to remind people about where we're at in time and history, our chronological place. You know, I started this protest, or I started this show, I started all my activity, really, in different ways, physically, digitally, you know, so many different ways. I started this whenever James Boyd, a homeless man, was shot, homeless white dude, was shot uh, in the foothills of the Sandia Mountains out here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was still going to school. And I remember freaking out because I thought, wow, I didn't, I knew, I knew cops were bad, but I didn't know that they could go up and shoot a homeless man. I saw the video and I thought that was crazy. Fast forward a few months, you know, the, the, the Ferguson, Missouri riots start taking place. You see the rollout of police there. And even prior to that, you know, you had the, we are the 99 movement and anonymous. My point behind prattling off all this stuff, guys, is this is the history of where we're at right now. This is the present time. And when we're focusing so much on the, de on the detrimental things that are happening, it gets kind of hard to really look at all the majesty and the beauty and the things that really are going on. The mysteries that we do find ourselves in today. We are a race with amnesia. You know, I saw uh, our good friend Billy Carson of Forbidden Knowledge. He's coming out with a documentary about the Black Knight Satellite. And I'm like, heck yeah, those are the types of level-ups that people need to see. You know, we need to start talking more about the, 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 the greater mysteries that surround us because this is what propels us. This is why I started the show off with some good news and then had to dive back into what's really happening to us and finish it off by, again, talking about what else we have to do, what's, what, what, what other hurdles we have for us. You see uh, but uh, to start this segment with you, good people, let's get into this. Apparently, there was a plane that went down in Chile on its way to um, on its way to Antarctica that went down. And then you also had, like I said before, this uh, volcano that erupted in uh, New Zealand. A lot of crazy things are going on in the world these days. Uh, but here, let's let's get into this article so we can start talking about it and. 
you know, spin some of those 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 curious wheels. Clearly, we wanted to talk about it because it deals with Antarctica, and as many people know, people aren't really allowed to go to Antarctica. They have a treaty, but we don't really go to Antarctica. <laughs> Uh, this comes from Sign of the Times. They put this up December 10th. It says Chilean military plane with 38 aboard disappears en route to Antarctica. It says in a statement, the Air Force said it was yet to find the plane, but concluded it must have crashed given the number of hours it had been missing. Defense Minister Alberto Espina added that the chance of finding survivors was looking, quote, difficult. Quote, the chances are difficult, but I think it would be profoundly wrong to lose heart at this moment when we are doing everything humanly possible and with all our energy and determination. Spina told reporters, quote, the Air Force has provided a thorough investigation to clarify the facts with complete transparency. The C-130 Hercules took off at 4.45 or 4.55 p.m. local time, and that's 19.55 Greenwich Mean Time, from the city of Punta Arenas on Monday to President Eduardo Frey Antarctic Base, and it lost its contact at 6.13 p.m. Uh, that's 21.13 GMT, Greenwich Mean Time, the Air Force said in a statement. President Sebastian Piñera said in a tweet that he would fly to Punta Arenas along with Interior Minister Gonzalo Bumel. Once there, they would meet a spina to monitor the search and rescue mission. Quote, my thoughts and prayers are with the family of the 38 crew members and the passengers of the Air Force and the C-130 plane. Pinera wrote on a twi- wrote on Twitter, where he said his Brazilian counterpart Yair Bolsonaro had offered support. The Argentina's government also said that it offered air and naval assistance for the search and rescue. Pinera said, "Drake's passage, and I think that's pretty crazy. Uh, Drake's passage, where the plane went missing, is known for severe weather conditions, including freezing temperatures and ferocious storms. But the Air Force said late on Monday that the weather was good when the plane began its flight, or the mission would not have been carried out." Mascara said that the aircraft would have been able to, would have been about halfway to the Antarctic base when it lost its contact. No emergency signals have been activated, he said. He said that the plane, whose pilot had extensive experience, had been scheduled to return on Monday night. Those on board the plane were to perform logistical support tasks for the maintenance of the Chilean facilities at the Antarctic base, the Air Force said. Uh, and before playing this video for you guys, like I said, it went down at Drake's Passage. I'm going to go ahead and out, go out right and say it. Did nobody let the Antarctic base know that the Chilean uh, military was coming? Did they shoot that plane down? Did it get shot out of the, did it get abducted? Did it get phaser beamed out? You know, we, we know that there are, uh, again, more hints of that breakaway civilization operating out there in Antarctica. Did they operate or go into an airspace to where it basically wasn't cool? Were they in unauthorized airspace and then they got shot down? I think that's, a I, again, earthly anomalies. We have no idea what's going on in Antarctica other than the fact that we can't go there. And then you have a plane with 38 military personnel on board going there. And then it goes missing. I'm going to play for you guys this quick clip. It comes from NBC News. Let's get it going for you. 
Disaster in the skies off Chile after a military transport plane carrying 38 people disappeared overnight while headed from Chile to Antarctica. The aircraft now presumed to have crashed. Officials say the Chilean Air Force plane, a C-130 Hercules similar to this one, was flying to a base in Antarctica, transferring personnel to inspect a floating fuel supply pipeline. The aircraft taking off shortly before 5 p.m. from the southern city of Punta Arenas, more than 1,800 miles from the capital of Santiago, losing contact at 6.13 p.m. in the ocean between the tip of South America and Antarctica. In a statement early Tuesday, the Chilean Air Force said the plane had not been heard from in more than seven hours and likely would have run out of fuel around 12.40 a.m. A spokesman telling local media a search was underway and a rescue ship was in the general area where the plane should have been when contact was lost. We were talking with the... Disaster in the skies off Chile after a military transport plane carrying 38 people... Crazy. I'm curious... uh... What's to come of that? And what's to come of those people? And why are we still, why are we uh, having planes just randomly go missing too? I think that's kind of strange as well, Um, especially in today's society. You know, that's uh, that's what kind of blows my mind as well. Uh, But uh, speaking of another earthly anomaly that took place this week, not only are we having planes go missing, but we're also having volcanoes explode. We're having... All kinds of crazy things just go on. You know, whenever they say that the world is basically on fire and, you know, Mother Earth is fighting back and letting you know we're, we're about to enter into a new epoch, you know, this is the type of stuff that we're talking about right here. People said that this, this headline was a little bit, it was a little bit shocking. They said, no survivors. Volcano buries entire island after sudden eruption. And they're talking about the White Island in New Zealand. We put this up uh, December 9th. It's from Emma Fiala of the, 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 the Minds Unleashed. It says police have declared that there are no more survivors after a sudden eruption on New Zealand's White Island left at least five people dead and more than 30 wounded Monday. We started off the week with this uh, devastating news and for audio listeners you can't see it uh, but the eruption is crazy. You know, you're, you're, you're basically seeing a cloud encompass an entire island it's crazy um and i wonder what the climate change impacts of this are if you really want the truth but here let me get back into this article it says that the death toll is expected to rise but the area remains too dangerous for emergency workers to reach the island it is not clear yet when it will be safe to do so quote no signs of life have been seen at any point police have said both new zealanders and foreign tourists are among the dead missing and wounded the privately owned island, also known as Wakari, it's, Maori, it's a Maori name. It sits about 30 miles off the coast of New Zealand's North Island in the Bay of Plenty uh, and sees around 10,000 visitors per year. At the time of the eruption, around 50 people were on the uninhabited island, all of them tourists or tourist guides. The majority of those visiting the island were thought to be passengers of the Royal Caribbean cruise ship Ovation of the Seas. In a statement given to Newsweek, Royal Caribbean spokesperson Melissa Charbono said, quote, We are devastated by today's events and our hearts go out to all those affected by this tragedy. We are working together with local authorities and we are providing, oh, sorry, uh, and we are providing all the help and care we can to our guests and their families, including offering medical resources and counseling. 
We were also sending staff members from both our ship and our Sydney and Auckland offices to assist family members however possible. Ovations of the seas will remain in port as long as needed to assist with the situation. Wakari is the 800-acre tip of the submarine volcano that has been in almost continuous stage of releasing gas, making it the country's most active volcano. Around 2 p.m. Monday, the volcano began shooting clouds of ash and debris into the air, which eventually blanketed the entire island, but not before some tourists were able to escape. That's where we're getting this video that you guys are watching right there. Uh, And it says, according to video posted on Twitter, one family was on the volcano 20 minutes prior to the eruption and was waiting for a rescue boat at the time. According to the post, the boat was able to rescue some people and tend to those with injuries. American tourists Michael Shade was on board of one of the tour boats tended to the injured. Shade said survivors were burned to different levels of severity. Quote, we were all busy the entire time, just trying to stay out of the way of the people who knew what they were doing and also just to help out whatever we could. In the footage taken by the volcano's crater camera, people seen were in an area only minutes before the eruption began. In a statement, New Zealand police explained that, quote, the police Eagle helicopter, rescue helicopter, and the New Zealand DF uh, aircraft have undertaken a number of aerial reconnaissance flights over the island since the eruption. No signs of life have been seen at any point. Police believe that anyone who could have been taken from the island alive was rescued at the time of of evacuation. Based on the information we have, we do not believe that there are any survivors on the island. And we are working urgently to confirm the exact number of those who have died. Further to five confirmed decreased or deceased already. So yeah, that's an anomaly. We should not have uh, volcanoes erupting. You have snarky comments on there talking about, well, that's what happens when you visit an active volcano. Who can, who, can, who, who can expect these types of things? What triggers a volcano like that to happen? Thankfully, you know, people, it seems like a decent amount of people were, get, were gotten off. Uh, it seems like 38 people disappeared in that Chilean trip to Antarctica, and they said that there was about 50 different people on that island right there that could have gotten away. You know, but again, that's what I mean by just some of the strange things that are going on in the world right now. And, you know, what uh, what's really going on, what's really happening. And this is just to start switching up uh, again, just to start talking about stuff that's even more strange. I'm going to play for you guys a video clip of, again, something that's just talking about the days we live in. You have a professor saying that few fewer humans are needed to strengthen human rights. That's right. You have two professors saying that in order for us to have stronger human rights, we have to have fewer humans here. So this is why all these these climate change proponents who are pushing climate change and depopulation and dehumanization and so much more, this is what they're actually behind. They're pushing that. They're down for this. They're down for the murder of people. You know, that's... It's these climate change and these climate activists who are probably leaving those snarky comments saying, well, that's what you get for living near an active volcano. Don't mess with Mother Nature and things like this. This article comes from Technocracy News. They put this up December 9th. It's by Lexi Lonis. It says delusion results from deception when rational facts that expose the deception are rejected and ignored. Increasing numbers of scientists are hardened in the cult of delusion. And if there is an imminent danger to the world, it is they. Ripple's report, World Scientists' Warning of a Climate Emergency State that, quote, scientists have a moral obligation to clearly warn humanity of any catastrophic threat 
and tell it like it is. Based on, the obliga- based on this obligation and the data presented below, we herein proclaim, with more than 10,000 scientists signatories from around the world, a clear and unequivocal declaration that a climate emergency exists on planet Earth. Will there be, quote, untold human suffering if humans do not stop having children in order to avoid a climate emergency? More than 11,000 scientists signed a paper authored by, by an ecology professor at Oregon State University making that case. Talking about William Ripple and more, I'm going to play for you guys that clip here in a second. And the reason I wanted to put this here at the end, in Earthly Anomalies, is to show you that this, <laughs> this behavior, this is where that, uh, that self-destructive behavior, that nihilism, that apathy where this groupthink is being employed. Kill yourself for climate change. We need fewer humans to strengthen human rights. And to a degree, uh, it sounds crazy, but I might agree with these technocrats. There's too many people. This is what I mean by we're diversifying ourselves to death. We need to unify. Do we need fewer humans to have human rights? I'm going to play for you guys this clip. It comes from KEZI News. It's one of the big six little affiliates, but it basically has these guys talking about climate change, population control, and more. They're, uh, you know, with California not having power, having their brownouts, all these anomalous weather events that we're having, and so much more, this creates the perfect example, or at least the perfect case, for the climate change agenda. But here, uh, let's take a listen. Thank you very much, Marissa. Two Oregon State University scientists have released a study claiming the world is in a climate emergency and they're blaming it on us. And KZI 9 News reporter Vita Garza spoke with those researchers and shows us why they're urging everyone to make changes right away. Professor William Ripple and his colleague Christopher Wolf are both faculty here at Oregon State University. Right now, they're claiming the Earth is in a climate emergency, and they have more than 11,000 scientists from more than 150 countries backing them up. According to the study, Ripple and Wolf look at climate data over the last 40 years. They found that human activity itself has significantly affected the world's greenhouse gas emissions, which is a gas that absorbs and releases heat energy. Because of this, Ripple says greenhouse gas is significantly damaging the Earth's climate, and he says humans will pay the price if they don't do anything about it soon. We found that uh, the situation for climate change is very serious and that it's time for Uh, humanity to take action and to take action quickly. As a solution, Ripple and Wolf have proposed six different policy goals that could help fix the issue. Ripple says he hopes their paper raises awareness about how dangerous climate change is and encourages people to make a change. In Corvallis, Avita Garza, KEZI, 9 News. Kill yourself. Kill yourself for climate change. (laughs) That's basically what they're saying. Kill yourself with climate change or kill other people. However, whichever you prefer, we just have to start killing people because there's way too many people. We're going to either start taking the children from child sex trafficking. We're going to start disappearing people in planes. Or we're going to start activating mountains. Or we're just going to give you a whole bunch of drugs, let you do it yourself. Kill yourself with climate change. These are the earthly anomalies. This is what happens when we don't really live in harmony with, with our surroundings or even with the divine, God, asking who made all this and then trying to get even closer to it. Which leads me to my next and final point, something I want to close out this whole episode with, and we've talked about it before, time and time again. 
uh, ironically enough, it's the fact that the world's first human composting site is set to open. They're saying that the first site in Seattle, Washington, will be able to hold up to 75 people at a time. That's right. They want to go ahead and just soylent green you, get you inside that little bottle, burn your body from ashes to ashes and dust to dust. From ashes to ashes to dust to dust. From whence we came, from whence we return. This article comes from the Judge Report feed. We put this up December 9th. It says the world's first funeral home de- dedicated to composting human beings is set to open up in 2021, allowing those left behind to turn their dearly departed into soil. U.S. death care company Recompose will be able to turn the deceased into a cubic yard of soil over a period of as little as 30 days, saving as much as a metric ton of carbon dioxide from being produced compared to other forms of burial and using one-eighth of the energy of cremation. The first site, or the firm's first site, is set to open in Seattle, Washington, and it will be able to hold at least 75 people at a time. The project was given the green light by Washington state legislators who voted to allow the style of burial known as natural organic reduction earlier this year, the first UA state to explicitly do so. Set to take effect in May 2020, the law will allow funeral homes to carry out the contained, accelerated conversion of human remains to soil. An idea spurred on by Recompose as a means to ensure environmentally friendly burials can occur in cities and urban areas lacking in natural burial grounds. I'm going to put a pause right there because that's what these people want. That's what the climate activists want. Even Not only is you being alive using up too many resources, you being dead is using up too many resources. We got to burn you, turn you into soil. You better hurry up and just die because we need the soil. This is soil and green. This is soil and green. This is what happens whenever we begin to recycle humanity. And I know, you know, we've been doing this time and time again. What's wrong with just digging digging like a seven feet hole and burying somebody there? Well, with the amount of people that are going to be dying, we need to have a more environmentally friendly and environmentally sound way. (laughs) You see how that's an earthly anomaly? How we just can't even seem to just get back to being natural and normal anymore? Well, that is seeming kind of weird. I was watching that. Uh, I was watching James Cameron's and James Cameron's uh, Avatar the other day, and you know, that's what they did with uh, with with one of the people in there is they buried them back into the ground, you know, and that's just how they how they treated it. Back into the ground you go, from whence the soil we came, and back into it we go. And I just find that kind of crazy because, you know, this is this is where we are. We're, we're debating this. But even an argument could be made for, you know, living in a crypt and having your family legacy just like protected and contained. But you get what I mean. We're moving back into those days to where we are paying homage back to Earth and, the, uh, and more. I don't want to consider this Gaia worship or goddess worship or any Earth worship or hippie nonsense or any stuff like that. What I'm trying to say is these are the days that we're in. And they're they're using the cover of uh, greenhouse gas emission, your carbon footprint, and so much more as an excuse to say that it is more environmentally sound to kill you. You know, this is the scientific dictatorship. This is the technocracy. This is Bill Gates's copsec formula. But here, let me uh, let me let me get back into this so I can finish it off. It says it comes as more people look to reduce their carbon footprint to limit their damage to the planet amid increasing concerns over the effects of climate change. 
Quote, we asked ourselves, how could we use nature, which has perfected the life and death cycle, as a model for the human death care, said the firm CEO, Katrina Spade. Quote, we saw an opportunity for this profound moment to give to both give back to the earth and reconnect us with these natural cycles. Based on green burials, where bodies are often buried in woodland areas to decompose, the process sees bodies placed in reusable vessels covered in wood chips, alfalfa, and hay, and sealed away in hexagonal tubes. There, the corpse's temperature is regulated while its surroundings are aerated, allowing naturally occurring bacteria then break down the body over the course of four to seven weeks. The deceased is then returned to their loved ones as, a, as compost, limiting the carbon footprint for, from cremations and traditional burials while cutting out the embalming fluid chemical, which can leach into the soil and can pollute groundwater. Remaining, uh, remaining remains are expected to be donated to a land soil project to provide a forest on the state's Bell Mountain with additional nutrients, with one person creating 2,000 to 3,000 pounds of soil. Quote, these days, some families regard even ashes from cremations as a burden, not a joy, Miss Spade told the Seattle Times. Quote, as in, we've had these ashes in the garage for six years, and we're creating a cubic yard of soil. What they're trying to say is it's more, it's better for everybody if we just turn you into soil. You can't really do anything with those ashes you have. Like all that ash that's just shooting out of White Mountain over there in New Zealand. You can't do anything with that. But if you give us enough people, if you give us enough bodies, we can have a forest, we can start growing people, we can start growing fruit, we can start having regenerative agriculture with all the dead bodies. And so here's where we're, here's where we're at come the end of 2019. It is, thinking about your carbon footprint and the greenhouse gas emissions thereof, it's better for you to die environmentally friendly instead of for you to just be buried. You see what I mean by the changing of the paradigm? The shift that we're undergoing, the world that we're creating, and the mindset that's being foisted on us. That's why I wanted to start the show off differently. But at the same time, keep things spinning in the right direction. This is what's going on, and this is the world that's being created. And while while everything still seems the same, it's a lot of the old it's a whole lot of the old too. You know, this is the world that we're creating. And I think the easiest way to just close all this out for you good people is just to say what I've been saying this entire past few segments, this, this, is, this segment itself. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. From, from the earth whence we came, we will return. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Envisioning the Future, Distorting Childhood, and Earthly Anomalies. However, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I really have for you guys and gals. I know I kind of went over a whole lot, as I typically do, just to give you guys that deep, deep knowledge, that compressed knowledge, that compressed truth of what's really going on. Like I said before, I'll add the link to uh, Greg Reese's castration incorporated below so you guys can learn more about that. The whole transgender agenda is definitely one to pay attention to. There's a whole lot of different things going on, a whole lot of different works that we're involved in, and it's all designed to bring you guys even greater content. Like I said, I have one more episode planned for you guys to wrap up Season 9. Other than that, pay attention to the updates, and I'll check you guys real soon. 
However, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I really have for you guys and gals. If you have any questions, feel free to email me. I'll have it in the description bar below. And as always, guys and gals, stay vigilant. Expose lies and share truth. This is Noisera, Freedom Faction. Out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>